0: me if you can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And uh, before we get started on Skyfall, which is today's film, Lloyd, I just wanted to ask you about your 3D TV.
1: Yeah, I bought a new 3D TV. I had to say goodbye to my old CRT TV, uh, which I miss greatly. Uh, It was really awesome, but it's time to move on to the new era. I love CRT. It had a great refresh rate and DVDs looked fantastic on it. That and I spent a fortune on it as well. (laughs) And I finally moved over to an LED TV that's um, 3D. Mm. And uh, yeah, I've been watching Prometheus. I watched Hugo last night, and so you're others. just
0: rewatching movies from our podcast. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's pretty much just no other titles. Just, yeah, uh- <laughs> I've moved
1: on to Blu-ray. Um, I don't know what caught me on to Blu-ray. Oliver Stone, I think, said Blu-ray is going to be last of the hardware, and uh, before everything moves over to digital. So mm-hmm. I don't know something about that just triggered off. Oh, I should buy Blu- Blu-ray. So now i got to update my whole collection. It's costing me a fortune.
0: See so you- I would never do that. I would just keep all my DVDs and then start Blu-ray next. You know what I mean? Um, But as well, that triggers for me that maybe I should just move to digital. Yeah, Skip Blu-ray altogether. Uh, Blu-ray isn't selling that
1: well. DVD is still the number one selling uh, format at the moment. And uh it's looking really grim for Blu ray. What they're doing now is releasing these ultimate release packages with blue- with three D, Blu ray and D V D and digital copy. So you've got it all in one.
0: I've seen those actually, yeah. They did, they've got a lot of those at Kmart um blu-ray the, DVD the digital combo, combo. Yeah, yeah exactly bags. and
1: they call it ultraviolet and what you do is you put in the dvd or the code through itunes or through the website put in the code and you get it downloaded but it's pretty stupid like a lot of people are savvy they can extract it from the dvd anyway and put it into itunes or if you're even more savvy you just go to pirate bay and sh-
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh lloyd did, did you just get shot <laughs> <laughs> no i think i think it's all moving to a digital medium and that I've, I kind of have this image in my head of um, spaces as big as ATMs where you bring your USB up and you plug it in and you swipe your card and you buy the files that are downloaded onto your USB. Oh, that's you a, know, yeah. Like in, to replace video stores completely, you just scroll through the titles on a screen and then buy them there and then, and then you have the files. You In, have. in America, they
1: have a thing, Netflix. So I mm. think we've got something similar here. I don't think it's actually called Netflix but or even iTunes but that in America Netflix itself killed video stores completely mm. like video stores are very difficult to find it is it America. like the mailing out of DVDs no it's it used to be it used to be like a red box I think And but they've evolved now where it's all just streamed you literally turn on your Xbox or whatever box it is um, and there it is all streamed virtual library and people just type in what they want to watch and it's all there like mm. tv shows are watched like that now and it's definitely going to be the future um blu-ray seems really prehistoric like putting in a, a disc and then waiting for it to load takes forever it's just you mean like- you
0: have to use your hand? yeah exactly
1: and then you have to wait for the piracy warning and everything like that all my stuff's from america so i get the fbi warning i'm like we're gonna watch the movie now, and then you find out you put in the wrong disc for a season. You're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> you gotta start it all over again. Rather just clicking through folders or typing in what you want. Mm. But yeah, I'm enjoying it. It's it's fun.
0: How do you find the 3D glasses?
1: Um, I I still can't stand the pinch on the nose oh, and yeah. on the eyes. It's still affecting, and the coloring uh, is less. Like Blu-ray on a new TV looks fantastic. The color is really rich, but um, with 3D glasses, like the colors are lessened. When we're at the theaters, I think it's more so. because because it seems much more colourful on screen than what I can remember watching 3D movies at the theatre. Mm-hmm. Um, I heard when we watch it in the theatre, we lose 30% of colour uh, of the colour um, when we put on those 3D glasses. That's just
0: insane. And the brightness too. It feels like yeah, definitely just massively darker. But anyway, those are our gripes with 3D at the moment. <laughs> so fix them, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Skyfall. Dan- oh, the big one, yeah. Daniel Craig, his third outing as James Bond, and he's signed on for two more. So he's collecting $50 million to do two more Bonds, which is quite modest, I think. Yeah. So I feel like uh, he'll have something in the back end of those films as well once they make heaps of money. Speaking of making heaps of money, Skyfall, while we record this, has has grossed over $800 million. Wow. It's on its way to a billion, and uh, it's the highest-grossing James Bond movie ever.
1: Oh, thank goodness. Um, People are going to point this out if you're following me on Twitter, but I think I made the call skyfall is going to be the best bond film of all time and that's mm-hmm. purely because sam mendes was attached to the project out of every single bond film um there has never been a director of this caliber attached to any of the bond films and i don't mean to put any of them down in the history but they're not on the same level as sam, sam mendes. mendes it's like getting alfred hitchcock back then to direct one you know i think yeah, sam mendes is that good
0: Well, um, before we move any further, I'll talk about Sam Mendes in a sec. I just should say, if you haven't seen Skyfall, we will be discussing it with spoilers in mind. Um, If you haven't seen it, we're going to ruin the film. Please feel free to stop listening now or uh, watch the film and then listen to the rest of this podcast. Um, But let's jump right back to Sam Mendes, because it's funny, he's only done eight outings as director. He's done a couple of TV movies before he made American Beauty, He's done TV movies. Yeah, Oh, that's
1: what he just did, jumped straight into American Beauty. I know he's exactly. got a heavy theater background. He was very um, highly regarded in the stage, mm. and they were calling him the next Orson Welles. Like, that's how good he was. He was very young.
0: Well, his first film, American Beauty... <gasps> outstanding tons of oscars yeah great performances amazing film i've heard his
1: audio commentaries as well he's the most modest guy he even mm. said and for all these script writing uh, students out there he goes oh i don't even know where the first act ends or the second act begins i don't know any of that and he's really open with how he's not a writer mm. he's purely he gets a script he finds out what works and then he just adapts it he's such a modest guy
0: well the best part about um american beauty was that alan ball got to write it and he's you know true blood he's six feet under and he's you know this guy who should be writing films and amazing HBO series like he is but anyway he's got Road to Perdition, Jarhead Revolutionary Road, Away We Go which was the smallest film he's done and then Skyfall.
1: Well, I haven't seen Revolutionary Road or Away We Go I am so disappointed
0: I actually thought I saw all his films (laughs) Revolutionary Road is this um, film with Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio where they're both kind of trapped in suburbia they feel like they're kind of you know wish they'd done more and like you know traveled and things like that it's this really regretful kind of interesting movie and away we go is this film with john krasinski from the american office and um maya rudolph and they're pregnant they're about to have a baby and they're trying to decide where they want to raise their baby so it's this kind of road movie where they travel and hang out with different friends of theirs who have families and stuff when you say small movie was it shot in
1: digital or anything like it that just, or? it
0: was just more of an independent film I think it was a lower budget I'm just
1: picturing Sodenberg full frontal or something like that oh, okay no it wasn't that okay cheap. it wasn't that it cheap, was sure.
0: nicer looking than that okay but it's smaller it's kind of a you know reduced cast reduced location things like that um, but it's a, it's a nice little film as well John Krasinski's got a beard you know. It's, it's a real kind of little indie movie I heard
1: the story how he got the offer for Skyfall he, uh, Daniel Craig was doing a stage play and I can't remember the name of it and um, he went to an after party they invited Sam Mendes and Daniel Craig's like um, he, he was asking oh when's the next Bond film coming out and Daniel Craig's like oh I've got no idea and Sam Mendes goes oh who's directing I'm curious and he goes oh I've got no idea do you want to direct and he <laughs> laughed he goes, and he goes no I'm serious we can go in and meet the um producers tomorrow and he's like okay and what? they met and they loved it it just went it was just all green lights from there mm. and then they got um john um they they had all the scripts and everything like that and there was an issue they had where it got delayed for nine months or something like that i think it was because the mgm went bust okay and he that said that was right. the best thing for them they were able to refresh all the writing and everything like that and um, really nailed down what they had in the script and he goes yeah if it wasn't for that I don't think the film would have been as good as it
0: as it was mm. um, I thought maybe 143 minutes it was a bit long oh it was very long but, but most Bond films are about two well, yeah. I think it might be the longest one yet though oh, okay sure yeah but probably not by much I don't know uh, I can't be you know held to facts on that it just felt like maybe the longest one yet um, did you have any issues with the length you interested the whole time I was interested the whole time okay. um, I
1: just want to say I'm not a fan of Bond um, okay. I
0: grew up with Bond Sean Connery was my you can, one. You can send your hate mail <laughs> <laughs> No, you can find us both on Twitter if you want to respond to anything we're saying just uh, uh, which Bond did you grow up with uh, probably Pierce Brosnan wow you grew up- okay sure yeah because uh, of the 90s I guess yep. you know um, sort of early 20s and stuff for me um Pierce Brosnan, um, for me, you know, it's hard for him to not be the Bond I associate with most just because of when I first saw Bond. Yeah. But he was always a bit too smarmy and a bit too, like, he was never in any danger and everything oh, was... Oh, Pierce Brosnan? Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I sort of immediately took to Daniel Craig's Bond because of how realistic they were trying to make it, you know, and how sort of more gritty and everything. But I do sort of feel like he's getting on a bit I feel like the the plot of this one was uh, fitting the theme of yeah an old dog new tricks and is the world after 50 years of bond is the world you know is he still relevant is he still useful you know he's sort of past his prime and everything and I liked that theme and I think when you do that with a character you make them the underdog you know you want to see Daniel Craig return to his former glory you've seen two other films you know Um, But here in the montage, he's shooting and missing and, like, failing. And, you know, M's got to sort of vouch for him. And he's exhausted. He's exhausted after the running. After the running and everything, which is something we very
1: rarely see. Yeah,
0: which was more realistic, too. And also, I thought the people who are into Bond, like, more hardcore fans than you and I, they would be much older. I think they would be the kind of similar fitting theme, you know? Are they still relevant? Uh, They're sort of a bit... Um well I guess 50 years of Bond if you're a fan you that's, could be yeah. you know 70 80 now and still be a fan having seen all the bonds you know
1: I I grew up with um Sean Connery as my as Bond because my dad's like pretty old and that was his first case of Bond and he couldn't get into any of the other James Bonds because mm. that's his that, after Sean Connery finished, the Bond went in another direction. It, it could be a sci-fi film as far as he's concerned. <laughs> and uh, some people might be Roger Moore. The, Roger Moore's got a huge following. Very little like Tim, Timothy Dalton, yeah. if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Yeah, and then an even few like George Lazenby, who's um, Lazenby. from yep. Lazenby, who's actually from Queanbeyan in Australia, <laughs> <laughs> which is right next to Canberra, uh, where we live.
0: Um, so if you guys are stalking us... <laughs> I think if you guys are stalking us, Lloyd mentioned what suburb he's said <laughs> yeah, yeah. on one of the podcasts. So if you're
1: listening closely... <laughs> yeah, go
0: back and listen to all of them over and over again until you find.
1: <laughs> and I loved um, uh, Pierce Brosnan as a Bond. I thought he was a great James Bond. His movies were terrible. After mm. Golden Knight, it was abysmal. And I... I I I rented out every single James Bond film around my early 20s and watched them all mm-hmm. up until The World Is Not Enough, maybe even later than that, and I hated it. Uh, after that two weeks, I thought, this is one of the worst action film series I've ever seen. Mm. Maybe because I, I I took it all in one big dose and it all got mixed up in which one's which, but yeah. all it's all the same story, all the same structure. Villain guy wants to take over the world yep. and everything like that. I just couldn't believe how uh um and i guess we'd have to ask a bond historian why this is the case but how much that franchise has survived for 50 years like and it's pretty much the same structure and over and over again but it's just a structure that works so mm. well it's why rocky still survives
0: i guess um i do wonder um when i see films like this they're an action film right he's a spy or he's an agent and he is um trying to infiltrate or do something you know but he always works alone Um, Every now and then there's somebody else on the team walking around like money pennies in one scene in Shanghai, I think, uh, where she's wearing a headset. You know, he's got some other people around him. Ultimately, though, he's working alone. Um, When you see films like Mission Impossible and stuff, they've got to get a whole team together to infiltrate. You know, somebody's working something in a van. Somebody else is wearing a mask. You know, somebody's slipping something in somebody's drink. Somebody's getting a card like a, you know, card reader type card to get them in access to the next room. They need the computer Somebody's though, yeah. lowering him down on those um, ropes so he can, you know, get into the room that he's impossible to get into. Like, it seems less and less likely to me that one man could do as much as Bond does. And that, for me, is where I think it would be interesting if they partnered him up with more people. Now, I know, those who like Bond, that every now and then he's partnered with somebody but they always turn out to be a villain, Or, don't the, they? Bond <laughs> or the, the Bond girl. Or the Bond girl, yeah, that he's stuck to hang, uh, forced to hang out with and she can use a firearm or something, you know? Um, but it's something I would love to see as him in more of a team situation. I couldn't tell you what team, you know? Yeah. I just feel like Q gives him the gadgets and says, there you go, go use them. M says, here's your mission, go execute it. Yeah. You know, he goes off and does it. Every now and then he's with one on whatever other people. Um, But it just frustrates me that I think he shouldn't be able to do all of this. It takes me out of it a little bit, you know, Um, for me, this film Skyfall, I was frustrated by the marketing because I felt like I saw too much before the film Um, and I don't mind seeing a trailer and then seeing the movie. Usually I go, oh, there was that moment in the trailer. I'm looking forward to seeing that bit where uh, Bond is shot on top of the train where he falls off into the water gives away a lot doesn't gives it? away quite a lot yeah. I know it was right at the beginning of the film but I'm just waiting for it to happen um and the bit where there's the explosion behind M, when she gets out of the car you're just waiting for that bit to happen yeah. you know there were less shocks I guess and that was frustrating having seen too much of the film beforehand um did you find M in this film she had a lot more to do she was yes. very ruthless
1: Uh well the great thing about this film and again it's because it's under the um under the helm of uh Sam Mendes everyone just seemed much there was so many layers to it everyone just had uh, much deeper layers rather than being this schlock action English little film <laughs> I shouldn't say little but big schlocky film like um Roger Moore or you know, all those type of movies. I, don't, I really don't want to put those movies down, but in comparison to Skyfall, come on, guys, you got to see the difference. Like, <laughs> there are so many layers to this film, whether it be the matriarchal aspect of M, like how she's the mother. And- she's
0: very much a mother to both him and uh, Silva, played by Javier them. yeah, oh,
1: it was fantastic. We'll get to him. Oh we my will. gosh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's so many layers to that, and then the relationship between him and money, Penny, and there's like this misogynistic aspect to Bond where he just runs through girls, um, like crazy, and that's evident. They're sort of they touch on that, but it's not really central. Um, then there's a sexuality quality with the villain, mm-hmm. um, that they added there, but yeah, absolutely. Um, M had so much more to do in this, um, mm. she was. She had to be ruthless. Like, it, you really were put into her shoes, like, why she did what she did. She had to take, as leader of this really powerful um spy agency that's in charge of security around the world mi6 she has to take the highest percentage no risk sort of decisions Mm. you know
0: um it's really tragic in a way sort of that whole opening sequence was where most of the money felt like it went um it's uh, yeah the film gets less and less and less
1: which is what i like like they 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 start off with their biggest cards Mm. like oh yeah it's a typical you know bond sort of uh, casino royale flavor thing and then it just becomes
0: less and less yeah it's like going less. down a tunnel that's getting smaller or something yeah um, there's a film and I'm not going to spoil anything about it but it's called The Happening and it's an M. Night Shyamalan film one of the worst films in human history <laughs> which we're not, we're not going to spoil and the problem that I had with that film, and to the same extent with Skyfall, is that right at the beginning you feel like it's going to be a really big film, and as it goes on, it feels like they just ran out of money, or it just the script pages fell out the windows. They were going and they just like improvised and stuff. Did and,
1: you feel the same way about this, or did you feel like that was on purpose?
0: Uh, I hope it wasn't on purpose because <laughs> for me, we'll get to the ending, but I feel like the ending was a big anticlimax. Wow. Okay. You know, because they built up. Silver, right? You find out less and less. Oh, but you know very little about this villain. You don't see him till there's an hour left in the film. There's a very deliberate way they're hiding him, and that it's very mysterious what they're doing with him. You know, he's got to be one of us. He knew about how to get in the inside. He got to her computer. He blew up MI6. Um, then, when we finally get to the island where he is, we go by boat and we walk into this isolated city that everyone's run out from. They leave Bond tied in a chair. The elevator slowly comes down. He slowly walks out of the elevator. There's a huge anticipation to see him, making him seem really, like, intriguing.
1: Mythical. Almost like the third man with Orson
0: Welles, yeah. Mm. And then we finally get to see him there are some questions of sexuality where he's sort of touching bond and stuff
1: and they never centralized on that which is great it's yeah. just touching on oh okay he's It's just
0: it, it's it's you're going to take that depending on your views of sexuality you yeah. might find that uncomfortable yep you might find that interesting that they're finally having a bisexual or a gay villain yes um you might find it confronting you know like it's the audience will react how they feel you know kind of thing Um, I just went, oh, wow, I think they're going with a gay villain. This is interesting. Yeah. Like, it's just 2012, you know, like time to kind of shake things up in Bond land, 50 years of Bond. Um, But then you have him kind of become this huge opposite, polar opposite to Bond. Like, he used to be the favorite with M. Now Bond is the favorite with M. You know, there's a very mother kind of relationship with her, as you said. And uh, as we move towards the end, the knife in the back i was like really is that how he's going down you know um just to jump ahead for a moment i felt like he got out of the freezing cold water which you know wasn't <laughs> shaking or anything yeah. he seemed like, very dry <laughs> he did seem dry it's hard to tell because the whole end of the film was very dark it was hard to tell what was going on sometimes you're just like oh squinting and like hoping for more light but there's just a flaming kind of thing in the background and anyway knife in the back and that knife must have hit him right to paralyze him because he's holding a gun and you'd think that he could just kind of shoot bond shot off, or something yeah. or just even if he was shooting as he fell and just fired into the air you know sometimes villains do that when they get shot they're like oh i got hit but then they're like right up against the wall kind of thing felt like something was missing he just kind of fell and went i'm dead now Boom.
1: I thought uh, I felt he gave up life after he had M and he was touching her and he had that really weird moment I think we he wanted
0: her to shoot yes
1: I, I just felt like he accepted I don't care what happens mm. I've done everything I want to do the only thing I don't understand the whole film the whole thing was for him to get M, yeah. Yeah. I think why? Why did he just knock on her door and shoot her in the face? Like Bond found out her apartment. Why did he just do that? And then mm. somebody told me, no, no, he wanted a public public execution. I'm like, okay. Out of well, all the tree, like he's this genius. He put plants all these bombs. He gets away mm. and he just walks into a, a hearing. A hearing and shoots it. I'm like, that was the plan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, just like oh, but I I lo- I just want to say, get this out of the way. I love the movie. It's my favorite Bond film. It's one of the best films I've seen this year. I think it was absolutely excellent. I want to watch it again, but I did have
0: my problems with it. Oh, I think this podcast is about us yeah. airing our issues <laughs> with films, really, isn't it? I mean I I as well enjoyed the film. I thought it was really strong. I'm intrigued to see what they do now because I don't know whether or not He's back to a hundred percent, you know, kind of thing. So if they're like they'll never top it. Mm. I'm gonna say it right now, like taken one. I said they'll
1: never gonna to top taken one.
0: But they're not gonna to top this. <laughs> you know, this film as well in the very beginning had like a police presence. A lot of bonds don't have the police yeah, that's presence. A good point. Yeah. Because MI6 is the police presence. They're the good guys, they're chasing the bad guys, you know. But there were cops at the beginning of this one on motorbikes and stuff. And then they were just really, I was like, oh, police presence, cool. And then they like fall off the <laughs> motorbikes and just terrible and just n- useless, you know.
1: Did you think uh, they wanted to top the opening of Casino Royale? Do you think they did it?
0: I really liked all that um, stuff where they're climbing up the uh, climbing up yeah, the cranes so cool. and the parkour yeah. and stuff. Um, that was all really, really cool. And where they're sort of bursting through walls and stuff. It was a really good intro to Bond. Um, in this introduction, my favourite bit, again, spoiled by... Um, marketing was mm. when they rip into the back of the train with the construction equipment after destroying tons of VW Beetles. Um, I don't know how happy Volkswagen were with that ad <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> destroying them. Um, but where they rip into it and he jumps onto the train and fixes his cufflink <laughs> yeah. and for me that's Bond isn't it why would uh, I'm I've, I've, I've just going to put up one of
1: my gripes right now but when he had the crane and he was eating he's trying to hit the guy why didn't the guy just run away mm. like he's in a crane he's got a limited reach with that thing and he kept trying to shoot at him why didn't he just go oh okay he's shielded by the crane I'm just going to run back mm. <laughs> I'll just run away oh, yeah. I don't
0: know just. well <laughs> here's, here's the thing silver right javier bardem's character has tons of goons who work with him they're all on this stupid little island right which uh he had like a bomb threat or whatever it was he said there was a gas leak or something everyone got out of there right um why didn't anybody ever come back no one investigated nobody sort of you know no helicopters flew overhead to see what was going on it was just kind of like abandoned (laughs) fair enough but all these goons what is their motivation to be a part of his team money yeah that's okay. a good point they're, they're walking into the hearing to shoot M, right he's like all right i'm gonna go shoot M in the head and they're like what are we doing like what are they there for they don't care um they don't need to shoot M. not everybody has personal beef with maybe them. they're just paid really really well <laughs> really well <laughs> and the thing was it felt like a suicide mission you're walking in into this shootout in the hearing you know i just didn't think any of those goons thought it through well the whole
1: time I thought when he walked into the hearing I go "That that's the master plan okay
0: that's it you just gotta walk in and <laughs> yep, shoot him there's head. no bombs there or anything. Does, does that make you think of um you know a Scott Evil and Dr. Evil like, <laughs> yeah. we'll just we'll get a gun we'll shoot him, yeah, we'll shoot him in the face right now <laughs> it'll be fun we'll do it together I got a gun in my room
1: you don't get it do you Scott mm.
0: <laughs> you could have had the whole ending of the film in that hearing and the whole film would have been long enough You know, but then they had all the extra Bond stuff, which we'll get to. Yeah, I loved all that stuff. Hmm. (laughs) So it's probably good that they put it in. (laughs) The motorcycle stuff in the opening scene was very Bourne identity, um, or Jason Bourne, because there's stuff where he rides a motorbike around, and it just reminded me of that. Like, it felt like, um, yeah. Although you get uh, motorcycles in tons of Bond movies, I guess, and um, Indiana Jones got that awesome... Motorbike thing it's it's hard to pigeonhole motorbikes to any specific movie Wild Hogs <laughs> <laughs> I like the um scene where he goes in I didn't understand
1: quite what was happening in the scene but he follows the assassin who he was trying to take down in the opening and he gets accidentally shot by mm. Money, um, Penny? Money Penny um, mind, uh, yeah, and then he goes into this hotel room. Uh, sorry, in this big building, and it's lit by like I guess Chinese or uh, advertising. Oh yeah, and it was so mesmerizing and so slow. I was shocked to see this in a Bond film because Bond films are, you know, a bit stealthy, but the action goes really fast, and it seems to take it seems to slow down to let the light show. You know take over and then we see the assassin take out the the um the sniper gun and shoot that guy in front in front of that um painting i can't remember the artist who painted medigliana i think it was called um and he shoots the guy and then they take the body i'm thinking why did they hire an assassin to go in the opposite building to sniper that guy from behind and then pack up the body couldn't the goons just shoot Mm. him right there i didn't understand they were all in on it yeah, yeah. they were all
0: in. It. The they moment sit him got- in a chair, yeah. face face the thing, she could have pulled out a gun yeah. and gone blam. She could have
1: shot him right there, shot or of right the Has goons, and then the goons take the body, like as if it's all mechanical. Wrap it up. Mm. I, I don't understand why an assassin's on the opposite building. But anyway, that scene was really magical. I thought with the whole light show.
0: Yeah, I thought um, that shot where Sam Mendes brings the camera over oh, so you that can that see over was her. cool, it was wasn't cool. it? Yeah, but I thought the girl opposite was just had such a nice presence when she's staring at Bond and yeah. stuff and wind windswept because obviously the glass was shattered. And so, yeah, I thought that was really beautifully done. Like, she was just very captivating. So I thought that was really good. Um, his direction was really very competent, wasn't it? Oh, I mean, yeah. like, very solid. You forget you're watching a movie a lot of a lot of different moments. If I hadn't seen the trailer and I wasn't looking for these few scenes and I was like, oh, this is about to happen, I feel like I would have been in the film sure. the whole time. You yeah. Know? Um what do you think of the scenes where Bond is slumming it you know he's um when they think he's dead presume dead oh he's, he's drinking in with Mexico a, drinking with a scorpion on his hand I don't want to
1: say Mexico I think it was Turkey um, yeah no, that mm. was, <laughs> yeah um, and there's that interesting question that Ray Fiennes raises Why? why, why come you, back yeah why come back you why, know why would he exactly you know, it's all he yeah. knows exactly um, it's the only reason. he's got that luxury he's dead no one's going to go looking for him you mm. know all his enemies that he's built up over the years is, uh, as a MI6 a 007 agent mm. all out the window he can exist happy but he can't comes back yeah which is very
0: interesting i'd like to bring up one of my problems with bond at this point okay we find out that james bond's parents names were andrew bond and monique delacroix bond they're on the gravestone skyfall which is a very intriguing title they ask him in the word association test they're like skyfall and he's like done you know like no. doesn't want to talk about <laughs> it yeah. yeah um and he walks off kind of thing Uh, Obviously, they're talking to him about his unresolved childhood issues. You know, orphans make the best recruits. There's all this stuff about Bond that you don't know. Um, What I thought at this point was, okay, so his real name is James Bond. I thought he definitely would have had an alias, you know, like he's Bond 007. And then that got me thinking about the whole alias thing. Um, 006 in one of the Pierce Brosnan movies, GoldenEye. He was one of the O, so he's MI6 agent. He's the villain in that one. He's played by Sean Bean, you know, which is really, like, a lot of ties to this one where Silver is a former agent sort of thing. That's a very good point, Mm. yeah. And the thing is, I thought, wouldn't they give Bond an alias, like James Bond being a fake name and 007, you know, uh, 007 being his code kind of thing, wouldn't it make more sense if, like Batman or the Phantom or these sort of heroes they can be anybody kind of thing yeah anybody an
1: orphan though so he doesn't have any family for them true true
0: but wouldn't it make more sense if anyone could be bond right that that's a code name that somebody doing missions oh that's a good point yeah so if anyone can be bond that would really answer the question of why we've had so many different bonds over the years yeah right if anyone can be bond then as well you don't know who bond is in a crowd they're all like know?
1: agent smiths yeah like, yeah
0: kind of thing um if it seems weird to me that they use his real name and that i guess he i don't know um he's where's the suit and stuff to blend in right which again is silly to me because he's a blonde white guy in shanghai he's gonna stand out anyway he's not blending in any better but if you know what bond looks like many of his villains know what bond looks like that that should be negated by the fact that anyone can be Bond, kind of thing, you know. I guess, yeah. For me, I wonder why that isn't the case. You know, that's just his real that's a, name. That's a really good point. They, yeah. They could dig up information on him. They could find his home at Skyfall and find them and all It'd that be sort like of stuff. Be like
1: Kit Walker in uh, the Phantom. Like, mm. it, it, they just keep giving it's generations, it's, it's generational, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the Phantom as if lives forever. Something. Yes, yeah. exactly. And then James Bond will be more of a figurehead that they have to live up to no that's that's a yeah. really good take
0: and that way as well when we have a black james bond or whatever you know it or a female james bond even like anybody can be james bond kind of thing like we won't just be this character's name so i thought it was interesting that we gave him this backstory um sam mendes had the whole part about he's an orphan here are his parents names here's his house they've sold the house which the new owners are going to be pissed because it got burnt to the ground (laughs) you know there's this old guy played by albert finney from big fish and he's like uh you know um chatting with bond and 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 just kind of going on about how you know he taught him to shoot and stuff remember what i told you and that sort of stuff you know it's i don't know for me i wonder if that wouldn't be a better way to do it i don't know if all that stuff is true to the books as well yeah you know, uh, I haven't.
1: I actually haven't read any of the books. I'm mm. ashamed to say I haven't read any of the Ian Fleming books. Uh, I've always wanted to read Casino Royale because I was so curious to see the adaptations, mm. what they left in and out, and of course the backstory of Bond. But that's a really interesting take on.
0: I, f- I James feel like Bond. yeah. I feel like 007 is licensed to kill, right? Yeah. Which he gets in the first film. It shows in flashbacks how he kills somebody, mm. and they're all like, um, yeah that's the guy you killed and now you're 007 now you're licensed to kill so from that i wonder if 006 was one kill away from becoming a 007
1: 002 couldn't make it out tonight he was with out (laughs) with 004
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah sort of i don't know maybe the history of bond isn't as fresh in our minds as like a lifetime fan but for me i wonder if bond wouldn't be better if he was a symbol you know and also would explain as i said so many different Bonds. If you said that to a kid and you were like, oh, it's like Bond is a code name, and all these people were in that position of James sure. Bond 007. You know, there might be a 009 and, you know, stuff like that that's an even better rank that people are promoted out to. You know, you can kind of make it a rank that one person can hold at a time. Mm-hmm. And that way, if Bond were to die in a film, you could just have someone at the end of the film become the new Bond. Very much like, you know... I don't want to ruin things but um, other films I won't mention <laughs> cuz I'm just thinking if I said it out loud it's spoilers.
1: Interesting with tw- uh, 2012 and how technologically advanced we are with the whole Bond franchise and b- the whole Bond franchise really seems to delve into the gadgets a lot that's like a big character in the Bond um history mm-hmm. in this one we hardly get any gadgets. well we get no gadgets simplified. at simplified yeah it's very simplified which is what i like i think a lot of diehard bonfire film fans won't and that it's interesting the gun is just a simple thing of it won't fire like the handle recognizes his fingerprints and only he can fire it and yep. that's it and then he gets a little um gps thing well, with, yep, a radio. locator yeah and that's it um and i think there was a line which i think they didn't need it all he goes oh no explosive pens or anything and you know
0: there's a whole reason why i didn't think they needed that at all but that's from another bond i think um and also they showed the old car you know at one point that's right they do pay yeah yeah. it's an homage sam mendes
1: pays a lot of respect to the whole franchise of Bond. yeah i think
0: bond fans will love this because of the way it looks at other bond films you know um, there's a lot of kind of similarities happening
1: it's cool how the theme song the original theme song only kicks in when he drives a car The didn't you yeah, mm. and then of course at the end I thought that was a great idea
0: mm. um, that whole opening as well I, I showed you a video um, I'm a fan of Family Guy but Lloyd not so much you know uh, you may know if you're a Family Guy fan listeners um, when Peter Griffin fights the chicken and then they kind of roll uh, from like vehicle to vehicle I've actually seen it yeah yeah <laughs> Um, and uh, basically kind of fight across multiple things. So the whole opening sequence, they're in a car, they get out of the car, they get onto a motorbike, they drive with motorbikes, they jump onto a train, then from the train he gets in that construction thing, gets cuts into the train, then they get shot from on top of the train.
1: Um, did they do that with Star Wars episode 3 how they kept Oh no that was the Simpsons where they just kept going ridiculously they're fighting with lightsabers and it goes through every environment you can think of. Oh okay. Yeah sorry.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that that really made me like I was in the theater going oh wow this is just like that like a little family guy bit. As well to just one more thing about that opening. I know we've been talking for half an hour now. But um in the opening when she drives her car to get to that sniper shot where she's like, I don't have a clear shot. I might hit Bond, you know, um, with Money Um, The problem I had with that was trains. I feel like trains would have the most direct route that in a car. She couldn't find a way to be ahead of the train. You know, the train would be the quickest. This doesn't doesn't feel for me that there would be a way she could cut off sure. the train and have time to line up a shot. You know, she could maybe drive alongside the train but I don't feel like she would get 500 meters ahead further of. further it. ahead oh, it's know. possible like, uh, just really yeah. the, otherwise why wouldn't you drive if driving is quicker than catching a train yeah trains are the direct <laughs> way to yeah travel no that's a good point. I watched that and I went oh come on you know <laughs> it's, it's a bit in a movie I know it's, it's staged it has to happen so Bond can be shot over the water so he lands and lives which I'm thinking how did he survive that as well because he has this massive wound where the bullet hit him in the chest, you know, and he falls into the water and sinks. And, Would, that,
1: and that brings us to the opening. The Adele song. Uh, the yeah. Adele song. What do you think of that? The it whole, was okay. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. yeah, it
0: was good. Um, my mum's a fan, but you know,
1: everyone was um, going, Oh, if you heard the latest Bond um, song, it's going to be disastrous. And I'm like, Oh, let's hear it. Oh, it's sung by Adele. Like, okay, let's hear it. And I loved it. Mm. And I just heard it. I thought oh, that sounds pretty good
0: to me. Really dramatic. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think Daniel Craig said that it brought him to tears. Um, Just hearing it. Yeah. Song? Wow. Yeah. But I don't know how, like, I don't know where I read that. So I can't <laughs> quote a source. And Daniel. <laughs> it was on Twitter. Uh. And, and Daniel, if you're listening, and I, I know he's a big listener <laughs> of the show, that, uh, and he's definitely going to listen to this one. Yeah. yeah. By the way,
1: you did a great job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you're all right. <laughs> um, I like how M was very by the book. She was like, you know, the rules, you know, we thought you were dead. We sold all your stuff. There was a lot of like nice detail. Well, you're not staying here. (laughs) Yeah. To being an agent. Yeah, that was good. Um, And I thought it was solid and a good change when they went to that underground bunker, MI6 you know that oh Churchill's old um, hideout
1: from the London bombings that they have to deal with the rats and everything that was great yes the, this great MI- MI6 agency is really brought down now into the burrows and yeah mm. that was fantastic
0: and the thing is also that's what they did in bon- um, Batman rather um, when Wayne Manor burns down at the end of Batman Begins in the Dark Knight you see that they're in this underground you know kind of layer, layer <laughs> exactly which that's what I thought it was kind of a throw to yes Yeah, it was good. Um, Good to see a new Q, young version, like not John Cleese anymore. He's been promoted. he has a
1: great line. He goes, I actually do more damage uh, getting out of bed, having breakfast than you do in a year because this age we live in is a computer age Mm -hmm. now. And Bond is this... um, you know this old guy trying to come to terms with this modern reality this modern world yeah um and it, it, it's interesting that scene takes place in front of a painting and i can't believe i forgot the name of the artist who painted that mm. but it's a fantastic painting with ships yeah of a modern ship um pulling in an old ship mm. and it's really um about the transition of the the old age and the new age where it's the now the industrial age and that whole romantic era of the olden day ships (laughs) Um, is gone the wind sail ships and now this is the steam powered era and that's what's happening we see with bond this hard edge, gritty agent and then the new age um, computer guy who's probably going to be the future you know um, of mi6 yeah of mi6 where you got hackers rather than agents actually you know going in there Mm. and, and doing things
0: but then you see when silver gets captured and he infiltrates from within He's maybe not he's as got, clever as it, you know. It doesn't count for everything.
1: Exactly. He's got both. He's got both those things that um, the new villain I see has mastered the both fields of the. Um, he he understands the new age uh, world of the internet where he can hack and infiltrate, but he's also a very powerful agent, mm. uh, which we never really see his power, um, his hand to hand. Um, as you say, he's he's a knife is thrown into him at the back. We never see him
0: fight. We don't really see him fire a gun other than throwing grenades in. Um, uh, there is the scene where they're shooting the glass oh, off um idea. off the girl's head, and yes. uh, Bond shoots and misses, and then he goes my turn and kills her. Yeah,
1: so it's obviously apparent that he's very well capable, but mm. there's that implication when whatever um system he's used to hack all the computers, his door opens mm. and he zips up his um. Like he's ready to go. Yeah, and he goes, Are "You going somewhere?" And he goes, ah, "You yeah. know," and just takes out everyone. That was fantastic.
0: That um, that cage was very Hannibal Lecter. Yeah, but also it made me think of Loki in the Avengers. How he's captured and he's sitting up there and he's sort of in the Hulk's uh, cage. Yeah, and when I thought of that, I thought or Magneto in um, X Men. True. Yeah. 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 Definitely. That's how they house crazy people in these <laughs> movies. But when I saw that, I thought immediately. He's exactly where he wants to be. Like what's gonna happen. The Joker
1: wanted to be caught.
0: <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of nods to the Dark Knight here. Do you want to just talk about the villa? Let's
1: get this out of the way or Yeah, have you seen
0: the- No Country for Old Men? I love that movie. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I
1: think it's one of the Common Brothers' best films and he played a
0: fantastic role. I think mm. he won the Academy Award for that I believe you he did. Yeah. Yes. Excellent, huh? Like he's he's done a solid job here and most Bond villains have facial deformities have you noticed like there's uh, one in Casino Royale with the bleeding from the eye I mean we're not going to go into them all but there's tons of them like um, in this how he had the backstory of eating that cyanide pill in his back tooth, and it didn't kill him and then he pulls out the like um, what do you call it I don't um, prosthetic know what is kind yeah, thing
1: that That holds his whole face the together The jawline
0: Gosh that was doing a good job Because you can't tell he's wearing it Until <laughs> he takes it out And then his cheeks Like sag And then he and- has that
1: beautiful line Look upon your child Or mm. something like that And it Think it's- on
0: your sins He's saying before that And
1: like- it, it's interesting Because he said all his insides Were eaten away And the way he delivers the lines Like he's an elite 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 level actor One of the best in the world He's Daniel Day-Lewis good You know yeah. I, I I dare say that Um And he has that like brief moment where he breathes and he's telling. Um, mother, what exactly is happening, Judy Dench, exactly mm-hmm. what happened to him and he has that moment where he breathes in and out and he's almost crying and I felt every line of that when I was in the cinema, it was so touching and mm. I felt that he's such a tragic character, he's become this monster, so like Richard III um, from Shakespeare is this disfigured monster that's just out for revenge. Um, it's interesting, it, we talked a lot about this on the uh, Dangerous Method podcast by David Cronenberg but everything se- seems to be so psychoanalytical with monsters these days like it's got to be because mother didn't love him and this fits so perfectly into a freudian mm. scarred monster isn't it because mum really left him out to die yes and he's turned into this demon that's really come back to haunt her this child yeah
0: yeah and as um as judy dench m explains to bond um he got reckless and um she traded him for six agents' lives or something, so she was making she, ruthless decisions exactly yeah. as a
1: leader has to they have to take the most statistical decisions, and along that way you 're going to burn a lot of people. Mm. um He who wears the crown wears a heavy head, as they say mm. that 's Shakespeare even,
0: <laughs> even at the beginning of this, Bronson is like this agent Bond walks into the room there's this out of focus shot, which I love uh it 's all out of focus, and then Bond walks from way in the background to the foreground, oh, and yeah. it goes into focus. Um, another one that really like that shot is used really well in is this movie called the weatherman with nicholas cage i've seen that yep yeah with exactly the same Huffle kind of shot Kane, yeah yeah um, with um nicholas cage walking into the foreground and that's gore Verbinski film if you're interested um, but that shot is like a real favorite of mine i love it when everything's out of focus and then the lead character moves into focus or even sits up into focus out of shot it's sort of a thing. favorite
1: method from david lynch as well he absolutely loves that and does mm-hmm. that a lot yeah
0: yeah so bronson in the opening they sacrifice bronson because you know M wants him to continue chasing instead of stabilizing his wounds and then obviously they shoot bond obviously she uh uh what's called sacrificed silver at some point you know she's got to be ruthless in this job and i think it's getting to her but it gives this film a really nice way of writing her out by the end yeah because um she's well explained in this i mean she's got a much bigger part she gets to do field agent stuff with you know the house and everything at the end that was cool it got really macgyver (laughs) yeah yeah exactly but before that they get into the subterranean london with all the tube station stuff and bond jumps onto that train earlier he jumps onto that elevator and i thought oh come on elevators wouldn't be exposed like that like you couldn't do it kind of thing it's just a massive hazard if people could just easily hook themselves onto the edge of You know elevators as they're going up but i mean it's a building that probably exists somewhere yeah
1: yeah china man anything can happen (laughs) yeah i don't know
0: i thought for a little while while i was watching it because it felt like a long film at that point in the hearing when he walks up to her and he's going to shoot her in the head and roe finds takes a bullet who he becomes the new m by the end um i thought at that point maybe m should have died then like and then that would have made this whole revenge plot for the last bit of the movie where Bond has to go after and kill Silver on her behalf kind of thing Yeah, but then you wouldn't have got her dying in his arms and Saying she was right about bringing him back and stuff, and, and you know. it it
1: takes place in a church that last part, yeah it okay, like a little sure, church. yeah, so it's, it's interesting how
0: they'd go for that extra layer, yeah, but as well it is it makes the film smaller and smaller as, and you that's know. where
1: Bond's parents died, and then his his surrogate mother sort of dies, and it has got yes. all those layers, and then his death you can even go further, his deathly brother, oh uh, he's you know his uh flip side of the coin silver silver <laughs> yeah. dies there as well, so yeah.
0: Yes, and I'm surprised that old man didn't die. Because you know, <laughs> they're probably not going to bring him. Hell, throw in money, pe- uh, uh, money penny, money
1: penny in there at the last part as well in that church. <laughs> Yeah,
0: no, they had a lot of good lines. The car, which she gets into, the classic Bond car. She says, "Oh, it's not very comfortable," and she also goes, "Oh, go on, eject me and stuff." You <laughs> yeah. know. There's a lot of like very nice kind of humour. Wasn't in. it a
1: great how um, when they when when he says target that car and they shoot down the car because obviously Silver understands the importance of that car as well. That's how I interpret the scene. They shoot the car till it blows up, mm-hmm. and then Bond, as he's getting ready the um the explosives, he looks over and he's so angry that they shot the car. <laughs> Do you remember that look he gives? I remember everyone in the cinema just laughing yeah. that was fantastic because it was hugely important to Bond yeah, yeah. it's iconic <laughs> it
0: does it does kind of slow down and become this I don't know different film for the end the fact that it was so visually dark made it difficult to tell what was going on sometimes and you didn't know where the characters were and stuff so. I like
1: the tactics involved <laughs> in it though because you've always got the advantage if an enemy's coming to you and you've got time to set up the traps mm. so that was cool how I, I, I interpreted Silver Sylvan knew exactly what was happening but he was willing to engage he sends in his first drones they all die mm. and then the real thing comes in and he, he comes he on in a
0: helicopter he has
1: a great entrance so like almost echoing Apocalypse Now with yes. the music Valkyries Right of the Valkyries and the music plays is and he, he's shooting the house but he never when he when he's uh, finally exits the uh, helicopter and wonderful lighting there with the whole trench coat and
0: hair blowing hair like blowing
1: everywhere and the blinding backlight yeah. um, I love it how he never enters the building like he's going to smoke him out because he knows if he enters that room he's entering their world you know mm. so he just keeps circling throwing in grenades trying to burn them out yep. and then Bond explodes that was fantastic <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah and they had that kind of panic room and the escape tunnel And that little bit where he, before he goes down the tunnel, he goes, oh, I never really liked it here much, or whatever he says, you know, didn't really like the place anyway, that made me think of that terrible line that I had a problem with in The Dark Knight Rises, where Batman is talking to Woman, then she disappears, and then he goes, so that's what that feels <laughs> like. What'd you say? What? <laughs> it's like, yeah. And, and it's like, well, who are you talking to at this point? Yeah. And it's the same for when a character's talking to themselves on screen, it makes them look a little crazy. I love it in Hugo. There was a play on that where Sasha Baron <clears> goes, <throat> goes, if he's dead, then who's been fixing
1: the clocks? And it cuts to a long shot. The dog is sitting in the bath with him, and he's looking at the dog.
0: <laughs> yes. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, you wanted to bring up the Komodo dragons part it, it, I, I want to bring up that
0: scene beautiful scene in that um, in the Shanghai I think it's Shanghai or China in uh, the casino the casino
1: when he arrives by boat I've got yeah. to go if that's a true thing with the casino where you arrive by the boat I've got to go to that thing I don't gamble <laughs> or drink or anything but I would like to experience entering a casino in that fashion with Komodo dragons maybe know. not the Komodo dragons don't fall in that pit <laughs> I love it that's the only time we see the gadget the, the only payoff the of gun. the gadget where he goes yeah good luck with that and I thought he was going to go searching for that gun and get it back and that oh that's it that's the only scene we get to see with that gadget looks like i don't need that gun after all <laughs> and the whole time i was thinking komodo dragons really it's not going to be crazy sea beams with lasers <laughs> see, sea bass with lasers was it or um, sharks with lasers sharks with little laser lasers on
0: it <laughs> Did you say you'd seen a Komodo... I did.
1: And, uh, when I went to the San Diego Zoo in uh, America, I saw a Komodo dragon. I didn't understand why they were so feared or dangerous. And apparently they got this... Uh, until I went there and I read it on the little plaque that was there. Mm-hmm. They bite uh, like a big... They can take down cows or horses and stuff like that. They got so much bacteria in their mouth, so much venom. It's not... I don't want to know... I don't know if it's poison that they carry, but it's sonic in their mouth, That the bacteria that they that they have there. They bite the horse or whatever and then the Or the, the human in this case. Or the human and they'll start getting infected and then the, what well, they'll wait for it to die and they'll drag it. They can literally drag a whole body away. They're very, very powerful mm. creatures. <laughs> insects? I don't know what they are. They're, not insects. <laughs> They're definitely not <laughs> insects, but they are huge, man. They're massive. <laughs> mm. Apparently they um outgrew their wings a few centuries back, so that's why they and they don't
0: breathe fire anymore. That's why they're called dragons. I'm, I just get kidding, I'm just kidding,
1: I'm just kidding.
0: Ah dear. Okay, well when um they finally get to the very end of this film, Silver gets killed, as I said, with a little knife in the back, and they kind of prefaced it by saying sometimes the old ways are the best and he has all those knives and stuff, so they kind of set up for it a little bit. But still you know you want to see some kind of epic you know bond stomps on the uh, loose floorboard flips the gun up catches it and manages to sort of you know shoot him all in one motion sure. you want to see something cool or where, a massive fist fight <laughs> yeah where where he uh punches the gun in the face and you know breaks the thing that's holding oh, his face yeah, yeah. together or something i mean it felt not very epic it felt like an afterthought the death and it was like he really could have fired his gun at the end and killed bond or really killed M, sure. like before he died himself um i even would have accepted if he put his own gun to his head and just killed himself oh okay yeah like, because he was so suicidal the entire film you know he's just wants to see M die and when he's fatally wounded her which he does or she is wounded rather and um, he, he sort of recognizes that doesn't mm-hmm.
1: he when he's touching her going oh you know oh, you're yeah. hurt yeah exactly
0: yeah. And in a way that's maybe why he gave up with the knife in the back but for me it was anticlimactic sure you get a huge opening scene like that where bond is shot you know you work towards like this stuff in the tunnels of london where the train crashes down past bond and you know there's explosions and stuff and sort of that epic chase where he's chasing him on the train and he jumps onto the train at the back and he's like open the door and stuff you know which is really funny and you build your way out to this final stand with explosives booby traps grenades the secret panic escape tunnel the stuff on the ice which even though they don't explain how bond gets out of the ice he does it's fine whatever then you get to the end and it's like knife oh that's that's it you know that sort of thing so i just feel like for me the ending was a bit of a letdown otherwise i really enjoyed this bond sure i'm happy to see uh, daniel craig in the role though he is looking older I wonder how he's going to look for the next two films. So,
1: okay, so he's just doing two more and that's it? or Well,
0: he's signed on for two more. Sure. If they make a billion dollars each, maybe they keep wanting to make more with him, you know? I mean, it's really dependent on the success, how many he wants to do. I mean, yeah. Skyfall's the limit.
1: <laughs> They're never going to top Skyfall. I'm saying that right now. Did you like this better than Casino Royale? That's a big thing on Twitter, Facebook. Everyone's comparing
0: it to Casino Royale because Quantum of Solace is not as good. <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I never saw Quantum Solace. It's but not. It's not as good. I, I heard it's terrible. <laughs> mm. It's got a few things that going for it, but it's not. And, and solid. from what I
1: understand, it's the first exact sequel from a Bond film. Like where the Bond film Casino Royale ends, Quantum of Solace picks, picks in, up. Yeah. Um, this one's a little bit one? after. It's yeah. a little bit... Oh, I it's see. It's a continuation. It is. It's a continuation. okay. a continuation, same story. But so it's, a, it's kind of a trilogy in its own self, yeah.
0: For me, uh, the problem with Casino Royale is the casino stuff. The card games, for me, are mind-numbingly boring. Oh, wow, and okay, yeah. I'm a
1: poker fan, so I like that, okay. yeah.
0: For me, they spend a long time explaining, like, to the female character, um, Bond's friend is saying, he has two jacks. The only thing that can beat that is you know and they sort of really dumb it down kind of thing like, oh i see yeah and, and as well they have like long sequences of them playing cards i'll raise you you know like it went on too long all that mill stuff the best bit about that is when bond is almost dead and he has to go out and try and you know paddle himself and like um you know fix himself up because he's had the poison yes. and stuff you know and his heart's gonna stop um that was the most interesting thing about that is the fighting in between the games but I found that stuff so boring, I was like, just make it more concise, you know. Have them say some more interesting dialogue, like, uh, they say that one line where he's like, that last hand nearly killed me, or something, and, and they've got the tell with the eye. But I wanted more during that whole period of time. Um, yeah, that that's what I found the most boring about that. I guess I liked how Daniel Craig was introduced as Bond in that film. And for me, that's a really, like, winning formula. I think the big thing about it
1: was it it was just such a... A, a breakthrough because we've had so many bad Pierce Brosnan movies and I've got <laughs> nothing about, against Pierce Brosnan I think he's a great Bond film but he's, come on man his movies
0: were terrible Invisible Car oh
1: <laughs> man and I think Casino Royale was such a good blend of you know great um, lead as the Bond as you say a great opening mm. and it was back to re- uh, being a really gritty Bond I hear a lot of the old fans of Bond didn't like the level of violence it was taking to because the older Bonds were fun the mm. violence was always fun whereas um, the new Daniel Craig Bond offers a very real James One, which is what a lot of the older fans don 't like but i i'm i'm i 'm sorry i 'm the latter i I love the realism i'm i 'm that gritty sort of guy so I think it's I went a post, with it.
0: it's a post September 11 bond that's too. a really good point man. because yeah, like that's a really know, really good point you want to see Bond taking down people who want to hurt the world and this is know? a world we live in with 24 7 with
1: ho- uh, 24 with Homeland with uh, The Wire this is a world now where the audiences are really concerned with the security of the yep, world huge issue it? in America that, that's a really good point
0: yeah so I, I know one of the Bonds with um, with what's his name Pierce Brosnan was 1999 but I can't remember if he did many early in 2000 you oh, know i so. think he might have yeah but anyway those would have been made before sure. september 11 20 sure i, I can't remember <laughs> it's okay yeah you know, we're just speculating out loud we'll yeah. probably look it up later and feel we've said the wrong <laughs> oh thing. crap
1: yeah but that's a very fair point because mm. casino royale was made well after september 11th and does carry all those um concerns and it's definitely the building blocks for that interesting point with casino royale i just want to finish with this um Tarantino was the whole reason they made that movie uh, Quentin Tarantino w- um, was approached by Pierce Brosnan and Pierce Brosnan goes oh have you read Casino Royale and he's like I love that book because um, they've never adapted in, uh, into a movie and uh, Pierce Brosnan was like yeah I'd love to do one with you and um, Quentin Tarantino is a big fan of Pierce Brosnan as, as a James Bond maybe not a big fan of his films so they um, talked about it and it was in the talks there was this huge internet push to get Quentin Tarantino to direct the next Casino Royale but of course whoever's in charge of the Bond franchise couldn't trust. Quentin Tarantino enough with Final Cut, and Quentin Tarantino never does a project unless he has Final Cut, so mm. it fizzled. But they went. That's not a bad idea, Casino Royale, and then that's uh, what yeah. that's what get the momentum rolling. So that would have mm. been interesting, uh, a James Bond directed by Quentin Tarantino.
0: Yeah. Last thought about Skyfall. Sure. Um, I wanted to say right at the end when uh, M gives her little dog to um, Daniel Craig, you know, leaves it to him in the wheel and he's standing up on the rooftop. There was heaps of British flags. She's just died, and I thought the really nice thing would have been to have them at half-mast.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: You know, it felt like a missed opportunity because, like, she was a you know important figurehead to MI6. I was about to say... She had all the public hearings. Exactly, she's, she did have the public hearings. She's done 15, 20-whatever years of service. You know, it feels like all those at half-mast would have been a really nice touch. He's looking at them at the same time because he's just on the rooftop doing nothing. If he was looking at all the flags at half-mast... I think that would have been really nice, and then it would have been more of a send-off that he was thinking about her. Sure. And then when they bring up the little dog and give it to him, he would have been like, you know, yeah, kind of acknowledging it. The whole thing, it all tied together sure. a little better. But all the flags, if you look at them, there's a lot of them. Yeah, all up, oh, all okay, up the top, yeah. and I just like oh, you no. Know, <laughs> that for me was another little. Little thing that bugged me. Well, well done,
1: Sam Mendes. You, you did a great job with Skyfall. I think it's the best Bond film um, of all time. I, uh, it's one of my favorite films of the year, and I highly recommend. If you've made it through this whole podcast and you haven't seen Skyfall, go watch it. <laughs> recommend your friends to see it. I'm so happy. It has made $800 million, At and least. it's approaching, approaching the billion-dollar uh, mark. Um so I'm so happy with audiences now that they are the ones paying for the Dark Knight Rises for the Avengers for um uh Skyfall so I'm so happy these great big epic films are being made uh I think And
0: they're being well received. They're being
1: well received. Exactly. It's yeah. not like oh that film was too um too boring that, you know you're not getting that kind of reaction audiences are really smart so I'm happy with films it's it's going great <laughs> you picked a hell of a time to start doing podcasts
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's going alright yeah, yeah. it <laughs> um, next time on the podcast oh, by the way you can leave us all kinds of feedback www.podmeifyoucan.com uh, you'll find us on twitter you'll find the page on facebook and you can leave us a recommendation uh, for uh, if you're thinking oh why don't they do a podcast about this film That's where you can leave it for us. Just drop us a line on Twitter or Facebook. Um, Also, you can find all of our old podcasts there. Next time on the podcast, we will be doing a recommendation. The film is Rubber, and it is about a tire that comes to life and kills people. And this is a weird one, (laughs) but it's probably worth a look. So if you can watch the film in the next week... It's available on DVD, it's available on uh, iTunes, I'm pretty sure, Lloyd. That's how you
1: watched it? Yeah, that's how I watched it. I downloaded it on iTunes.
0: Yep, so uh, you can get access to it. It's a really interesting film, and uh, we'll be having a very fresh discussion on it then. But because we've been around for one year, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to have our first actual segment, and uh, we've gone ahead and recorded an opener. So here it is. What should I watch, Lloyd? All right, so as you can tell by the opener, what we're doing here is a little recommendation. Um, Perhaps just pushing you to see a film that maybe we didn't have time to talk about on the podcast. Maybe one of us has seen it, the other one hasn't. So, um, you know, just something that one of us has seen recently. We're always watching movies, so we thought we'd do a little recommendation. As you can also tell by the opener, this week it's Lloyd's recommendation. Lloyd. Lloyd.
1: I highly recommend Argo by Ben Affleck you heard it right Ben Affleck the handsome actor who's been in Pearl Harbor and everything he can direct and he can direct very well I haven't seen his other films like The, the Town The Town but I have oh you have yeah, yeah. it's good yeah I really like The Town
0: uh, he's done four films I think or three or three something at like least that. Gone Baby Gone stars his brother Casey Affleck
1: And um, The Town and this one being Argo. If you look up on Rotten Tomatoes, and this was all over Reddit, they're calling Ben Affleck 94% because all his films have got 94%, which for Rotten Tomatoes is huge.
0: One of the other things about him is he's just been named EW's Entertainment Weekly Man of the Year. And uh, everybody's saying he's a great entertainer, whether he's acting, whether he's directing. I can't stand it because he's a a really good, pretty solid actor. I don't think he's great,
1: but he's very, very good. He's a very handsome young man, very fit in shape. You know, the stress of directing hasn't blown out his body or anything like that. And he can direct so good. Argo is amazing. Go check it out. It is thrilling. It is excellent. He's got almost this Hitchcockian skill set that makes you grip the
0: edge of your seat, you know. Um... Do you see it being nominated for Oscars? Yeah, yeah
1: go right right ahead. He's, he's all that. I, mm. I hate him. I hate him so much.
0: <laughs> it's funny you should say that. There's a South Park episode. I know, i quoting yeah, that. <laughs> where, uh, where Butters, just for listeners who haven't, Butters, one of the kids on South Park, he's like, he's, he has this kind of crisis because he hates Ben Affleck so much because he's got everything.
1: <laughs> he's got everything. And he is a very good director. Go check it out. It's it's excellent.
0: Hmm. Very nice. Alright, well, uh, thank you for listening. Tune in next week for more Podme if you can. Thanks, guys. All the best.